Hello. Hi. We're back. Yes. I hope you can hear us. We have a new Mikey phone. I hope I'm not extra loud because we know I'm just loud in general anyways. But Oh, and I just almost pulled it off the I almost said oh, the couch. We're good. We're, we're good. not even on the couch. We're not, we're not on the couch tonight. <laughs> okay. It's been a minute. It's been a couple, a couple minutes, <laughs> but I'm glad we're back. We're going to try to get back into it. Um, got kind of crazy at the holidays and then COVID numbers spiked and we were kind of being safe. And, and one of us got COVID. And then one of us got COVID. <laughs> and it's me. One of the kids got COVID. My so kid got COVID. Your kid got COVID. A couple kids got COVID. All so <laughs> we're all better now. Yes. We're back. So. Tonight's going to be a regular episode, Yeah. Um, True Crime Paranormal. Next week will be a regular episode, True Crime Paranormal. And then we got some big surprises coming, which big I'm stuff. super excited about. I'm excited too. Uh, we've been, I'm, I've, this is just to show you how big it is. I've already started my notes for I it. should probably so do that like, too. I've been doing all the research. I'm so I need excited. to. Because I, I mean, I, I feel like I do well on the research that I do, mm -hmm. but I still never feel like it's enough. And I'll just, I'll have it done and then I'll like try to pull more. And I don't want to do that with big cases because I will never stop. Like yeah. I'll just keep going. I am in a deep dive right now on one of the cases. Deep we're dives are do. my favorite. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But you're then it's it. also in that same type of situation. Like you feel like you're, you might miss something or forget mm -hmm. to include it or you'd never have enough information. You're like, hey, can I just read this whole ass book to you about yeah. this subject? <laughs> I really want to do that. I'm reading two books about this right now. It's amazing. She in it. I'm, I'm in it to win it. So... Tonight, just normal, though. So I have a true crime. Maiden has a paranormal. Oh, if you are just now, like, tuning in for the like, first, this time, first time. Um, hi, I'm Fluff. And I'm Maiden. And this is, there's some horrors in this house. Yes. True crime paranormal podcast. Bad bitches. Bad bitches. <laughs> um, I know pe people are really upset that we took a long break. People have been like, when are you coming back? Are you still doing that? And I'm like, yeah, yes. we're still doing we're it. We're still here. We're, we're not going anywhere. Really busy. But Promise. we're back. And we're going to get back on it. Adulting is hard business. Adulting is hard. I don't like it. I don't all. like it either. So we got some likes on the Facebook yeah. since since we've been away, which is good. I think we're up to 220 now, honestly. So if we can get to 250 by the time we have the big cases, maybe we'll do some fun stuff. That would be awesome. So that would be. That's incentive for you to invite your friends, invite your wife, invite your wife. <laughs> so in about three weeks, we'll be having some big cases. So. I think three weeks and 30, 30 more likes. That's, That's totally doable. doable. We can do that. Uh, any more business? I don't think we have any more business. That's no. That's pretty That's much it. it. That's what we've been doing. And we let Slam choose who does what this episode and who goes first. Yeah. So. so I'm going first and I got the true crime. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear about it. I'm going to dive right in because I, I kind of, I found this on the internet when I was doing some research um, on other things, but I want to tell this one a little differently. We're just going to dive right in. Okay. We're going to go right into it. We go it. right into it. Right into it. Head no, first. No backstory, no lube, nothing. No backstrokes. <laughs> just diving head <laughs> just first. Just diving head first. So, February 12th, 2010. Oh, somewhat recent. Yeah, somewhat. You know what? Listen. That's recent. It is recent. I correct myself. That is recent. Not somewhat recent. That's fucking recent. Somebody said the other day that 20 or 20, 2000 was, I mean, it's 21 years ago. No. 22. No. No. I don't believe that. 1990. That, that was 20 years ago, <laughs> in my opinion. Fuck. We're anyway, old. Yes, we are. <laughs> 2010, February 12th. 13 professors 
and staff members of the biology department of the University of Alabama gathered together in a windowless conference room for a faculty meeting. The department chair was a biologist that I'm going to completely butcher this name. I believe, and I apologize if I'm saying it wrong, it is Gopi Padilla. Sounds Gopi. good to me. Okay. So Gopi passed out the agenda for the department meeting. Gopi is the department chair. He's you know, the head. Okay. The meeting lasted about 30 to 40 minutes, and about 4 p.m., another professor, Amy Bishop, who was sitting beside Padilla, took out a 9-millimeter handgun and shot Padilla in the head. Oh, she, super cash. Yeah, like, just, no big, just no big deal. No big deal. No no warm-up, just shot him. That's she then fired bananas. A, bananas. She then fired again, shooting the department assistant, Stephanie Montesivlo, I believe. Yeah, because I am a department assistant at a college. So, oh, yeah, that makes me a little nervous. Yeah. She then turned and shot Adriel Johnson, a cell biologist. Now, by, by now, she shot three people. Conference room is kind of chaotic. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it would be. People are screaming. People are ducking for cover. Some try to make it to the door, but there's only one way in and one way out. Oh, no windows. This is stressing me. And Amy had placed herself in, in, front the, of the door. in front of the door. She was now blocking the only exit. So Amy now sighted her gun on her fourth victim, a biology professor, Maria Davis, and shot her. She fired more shots and injured three more people. So fellow co-worker and friend of Amy's, who was Deborah Moriary, Moriarty, she dove at Bishop and held her legs and she pled with her, Amy, don't do this. Think of my grandson. Think of my daughter. She, Her daughter just had a baby. She had a new oh, baby grandson. Fuck me up. Yep. And Amy looked down with zero emotion in her eyes and pulled the trigger. Deborah squeezed her eyes shut and she heard a click. Oh. She opened one eye and Amy pulled the trigger again. Click. Amy's gun is jammed. jammed. Deborah used this opportunity because she fuck is a up, bad Deborah. bitch. Fuck her up, Deborah. She crawled past Amy out into the hallway to lure her out away from the other people in the conference room. So Amy took the bait. She followed. She's pulling the damn trigger as she's going. Still Just trying. Click, click, yeah. click, click. But the gun kept jamming, jamming. So distracted by her attempt to fix the weapon, Deborah goes back to the conference room and her and another colleague barricade the door shut and prevent Amy from re-entering, saving oh the rest gosh. of the people. Later, the prosecutor on the case would say that the room looked like a bomb went off. It looked like an absolute oh, war that's zone. Terrifying. In total, six people were shot, three of which had died on scene, and three are critically injured. The whole terrible event lasted less than a minute. Whoa, whoa. No. Yeah, doesn't that seem like How can longer? all of that shit happen in one fucking minute? Yeah, a minute. So meanwhile, while... The, the rest of the faculty is barricading themselves in the conference room. Amy goes downstairs to the women's restroom. She washes off the gun and stashes it and her blood-soaked blazer into a trash can. She walked into a lab full of students, and she asked one if she could borrow their cell phone, which she used to call her husband, Jim, to tell him that she was done for the day and he could come pick her up. What the f- Just, just like nothing even happened. Nothing happened. I didn't just kill three people and wound three others. Yep. So as she left the department building, a sheriff's deputy arrested her. Good. 
So that I don't know how she thought she was just gonna be like, I just shot these people and I'm like, I'm, just, I'm with my husband John. She, all right, I'm gonna head out. Oh, that is even your name. <laughs> oh yeah, all right, I'm gonna head out. I'm gonna head out. Deuces. Yeah. So I re- I literally wrote in my notes that escalated quickly, <laughs> super fucking quickly. So now we're gonna backtrack and we'll find the events that led up to this mass shooting. So Amy Bishop was born in 1965. So at the time of the shooting in 2010, she was 44 years old. She was married to her husband James Jim. Oh, and, Jim. I said John. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. And together they had four children. She grew up in Braintree, Massachusetts and had a be- beautiful Victorian childhood home. Her parents were Judy and Sam, who met at the New England School of Arts in Boston. Judy was said to have wild, curly, blonde hair, and she was loud and boisterous and had this like amazing sense of humor. And Sam was Judy's polar opposite, where she was loud and energetic. He was more reserved and quiet. So they probably balanced each other out yeah. pretty well. So in 1964, the family moved to Iowa City so that Sam could work on his graduate degree in fine arts. In 1965, Amy was born. She was described as a very bright child. She would arrange her toys in intricate patterns. She was just like super smart. Super smart. The family returned to Massachusetts and Sam got a job in the art department at Northwestern University. And then Amy's brother, Seth, was born in 1968. So growing up, Amy uh, was in the emergency room a lot because she had asthma. So that drew her to an early fascination to science because she was like determined to find a cure for asthma. And she was smart enough where she probably could have done it. Amy was described, um, she was, well, sorry, she was an accomplice violinist and she was very close to her brother because they're pretty close in age. Uh, She was described as kind of a loner in high school uh, where other kids were going out to like football games and sporting events in town. She was content to just stay in and like practice violin and, you know, study. Yeah, that's fine. So one night in 1985, the family home was burglarized. Their house was just completely fucked. It was ransacked. Were they home? They weren't home. Yeah, they came home to find their house fucked. So among the stolen items was Judy's wedding ring and a pair of silver cups that commemorated the Amy and Seth's birth. Oh, okay. So this was like shocking to the family, like really shook them up. Sam immediately went out and purchased a 12 gauge shotgun. Judy and Amy didn't like having the gun in the house, but Sam kept it and he kept it unloaded and into in the bedroom closet with like around a shelves, like on a shelf nearby. Yeah. So a year later, on December 6, 1986, police in Braintree received a frantic 911 call from Judy. Amy had shot Seth. Whoa. That's she, not what I, that, at all what I expected <laughs> to fucking happen. Yeah, yeah. She shot him. So Judy told the police the whole story, and ultimately, they all decided it was an accident. I don't think it was an accident. <sighs> well, yeah. Well, let's listen. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Jumping ahead. It's fine. It's fine. So the story goes, this is what Judy told them. The morning of December 6, 1986, Judy got up and went to a nearby horse stable where she was caring for an elderly horse. I'm checking our time. Okay, we're good. Um, she opened, she spent a few hours with the horse doing exercises and cleaning out his stable. And she was home just after 2 p.m. when she called the police. Officers arrived on scene quickly and Judy answered the front door covered in blood. Seth was in the kitchen, bleeding out on the floor, and Amy was gone. Amy was 21 years old at the time. 
Judy she fucking Holt. dipped? Yeah, she just dipped after she shot her brother. Yeah, that seems like an accident to me. Like, you yeah. wouldn't try I, to explain yourself. You'd just fucking run away. I would be, like, if it was an accident, like, and that, that happens. Shit happens. Shit, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody that, reacts to everything differently, yeah. but I don't know that I would have ran. But if I accidentally <laughs> shoot a sibling, I'm probably going to be too shocked and, to, yeah. and, and, and upset emotional. and emotional yeah. to, like, think of, like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, that's not going to be my like, first thought. I'm going to scoot on out of here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to head out. <laughs> Again, she's going to head out. I'm going to head out. So Judy um, told police that Seth had returned home from the store and she was in the kitchen with him when Amy came down the steps and Amy came down with the shotgun. She said, I have a shell in the gun and I don't know how to unload it. So Judy told Amy, don't point that gun at anyone if you have a shell in there. And I feel like if you have a firearm in your house... All of your family should be trained with gun safety at a reasonable age. Yes. For situations like this. Yes. So she she said, I have a shell on the gun. I don't know how to unload it. Judy says, don't point that at anyone. Give it to Seth. He'll unload it. So when she goes to swing it around to hand it to her brother, it fires and shoots him in the chest point blank. Oh, my gosh. And when he fell, Amy dipped. She's like, I'm going to head out. Like, <laughs> That's he not wasn't funny, even on, but like I did no, I know, but it like he wasn't even on the floor, and she's like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but I'm out of here. Yeah. So Amy was picked up outside an auto repair shop in town. Amy told police that while she was alone in the house that morning, while her brother and mother were gone, she started to worry about people breaking into the house again. Valid. I mean, that's valid. That's valid. Yeah. So she got the gun and loaded it just in case a burglar or somebody would try to enter the house. Seth taught her to load it, but he never taught her how to unload it. Fuck. So she heard Seth come in and she went to ask him how to unload it because now that Seth was home, she was no longer afraid. She's going to take the shell out of the gun. And when she turned to the to show gun, Seth the gun, it went off. The police asked her if she meant to shoot her brother and she said no. Amy also told police that the reason her father had left the mor- that morning was because of a family spat. Hmm. Later, Sam would tell police, Sam, the father, would tell police that the argument was over something Amy had said. That's sus. Yeah, super super sus. Seth was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital at 3.08 p.m. He was only 18. Oh my gosh, that's awful. I hate that. I hate that too. Seth's death was ruled an accident by medical examiners. And after a police investigation, they also confirmed it was an accident. Which is very well possible. Yeah, that, stuff like stuff that happens like that ha- every day. Happen. And it's awful, and mm, yeah, it's, but that, but it does happen. It does. Amy received no therapy after the shooting. Bitch needs therapy. Bitch needs therapy. Sam, the dad, didn't believe in therapy, so Amy just didn't want to talk or think about it after the accident. They just kind of like shoved it away, pretended like it didn't happen. didn't happen. So Amy's life goes on. She went to grad. Uh, she graduated from Northeast University. She dealt with the grief of her brother's accident by, like, throwing herself into her studies, and she earned top grades at the university, which seems super unhealthy to me. <laughs> oh, it does. Because that's Cause just, you, like, you, avoidance. She didn't even, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So like compartmentalizing. Right, exactly. Which Trauma. Yeah, trauma. Doesn't end well. Gotta deal with that trauma. You do. So in 1988, she enrolled into a PhD program in genetics at Harvard, because bitch is smart. That's She's so smart sad. AF. Why? And not all the time, but more often than not, in situations where people do this fucked up shit, they're always super fucking smart. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're smart enough to know, hey, I probably shouldn't fucking do this. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where Amy met her husband, Jim. 
they actually met and i thought this was really cute i know like amy's a murderer and like we shouldn't you know like this but she met her husband playing D &D. and i'm like that's like so wholesome like i love when like people like that like find each other two little nerds two little nerdies so they got married in 1989 and in 1991 she gave birth to their first child lily Friends described her as a high, strong, but good mother. Like, she was a kind of mom that, like, only gave her kids, like, organic baby food. Oh, okay. Like, she's, like, that type. But she's a good mom. Like, she yeah. cared about her kids. Um, raising a child while balancing the work of a PhD program was really difficult for Amy. And she didn't earn, high, like, very high grades. But nonetheless, she graduated with her PhD in 1993. She's, like, super, super Yeah. So, in 2001, Amy had her second baby. A boy named Seth. Oh, Amy. Yeah. Her son. Oh, and this so is, much for acting like it didn't happen, This Amy. is even creepier. Her son was born on what would have been Seth's 33rd birthday. Is that not oh, gosh. full body I, chills? Yeah. Like, look at the hair on my arm. Oh. Up. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. So in all the things that I've read about Amy, she seems like your classic narcissist. She's very, very proud of her PhD, even though her school colleagues would later say that that was like the big scandal because they're like she shouldn't have earned she shouldn't her degree. Have got it. Like it was that bad. Like her work was not PhD level doctor doctoral candidate level to have a degree. She threw her doctor status around and she seemed to have a really quick temper. So for instance, in one story, she and Jim were at a restaurant with their two young children. They asked for a booster seat for Seth, but the waitress said they had just given it to another mom over there and her kid. Oh no. Now was the only one. So Amy went over to the booth where the other mom and kid were, and she screamed at the woman, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Okay. Okay, bitch. (laughs) My kid's ass is in this booster seat. Yeah. So Dr. Amy Bishop, I'm sorry. Yeah. So the manager obviously asked her to leave, which she did, but not before punching the woman in the face. Over a booster seat. Over a booster seat. She Karen out. She She definitely Karen out. Yeah. Yeah. So she was arrested for the incident, but no charges were pressed they were dropped excuse me um in 2003 the family relocated to huntsville alabama amy missed her friends and family back home but as her tenure track at the university of alabama grew she drifted from her family and friends back home and people said she started to be prone to like erratic behavior like some of her kind of like a mental break in a way yeah like she was on the verge of something so that spring Amy's tenure was denied because one member of her committee said she thought she was crazy and they worried about her mental health. Like they said five minutes after they met her, they worried about her mental health. Like that's how erratic her behavior had become. Oh gosh. Uh, so Amy filed several peer appeals and even hired a lawyer, but still it didn't. didn't happen. No. Yeah. Amy told the reporter for the New Yorker that, um, I got most of this information out of an article from the New Yorker who had actually interviewed Amy in prison. So Amy told that reporter that months before the shooting, she had begun to hallucinate and hear voices and that sometimes the voices were scary. So it sounds like all this past trauma is like developing now into Into... like a schizophrenia type of situation. That's awful. So this was another story that the article in the New Yorker had, and I just copied it verbatim. So this is directly from the article. It said, one day, Amy drove to the university and parked in front of the administration building. Sitting in her car, she called the office of the president and announced her intention to come upstairs to discuss her tenure case. 
she was told that President Williams would not meet with her and that she should not even enter the building. Like, they're obviously afraid of this woman. Yeah. Um, They're telling her not to even come in at all. According to an affidavit written by Amy in prison, which was described in a recent court filing, she then saw Williams and the uh, provost, uh, like vice vice president, uh, hurriedly leave the building. Like they're ushering like, I'm out. these people out. They're, they were being escorted by the police. Oh. So they're like, oh. they're afraid. Afraid, yeah. So Amy telephoned Deborah, who was the bad bitch in the beginning. Yeah. And she says, quote verbatim, they act like I'm going to walk in and shoot somebody. Oh, gosh. That's scary. That is super scary. So a week before the mass... <sighs> Uh, mass shooting incident amy went to the shooting range with her husband and the gun they were shooting was a ruger nine millimeter that was her husband's that she will later go on to use in the mass murder so i'm pretty sure that this was pretty premeditated yeah. it wasn't like she just snapped she and was just did it yeah. yeah yeah check the time we're good okay so the author of the new yorker article had some really interesting things to say about the shotgun that Amy shot her brother with. And since I don't know anything about guns, I just will read directly from the article because I think it's important to share, especially in regards to Amy's mental state. So the article talks about how shortly after the shooting in 2010, Amy's file about uh, shooting her brother was released to the press. And here's what the rest of the, the, um, police report about her brother said okay this was stuff that like nobody knew before it says when seth fell to the floor and amy ran out of the kitchen she left the house through a back door taking the shotgun with her she crossed hollis avenue and cut through a wooded area emerging in an alley that dead ended at the body shop of dave dinger ford an auto dealership because it was saturday the place was closed but a few off-duty mechanics were hanging out there According to the mechanics, Amy came inside holding the shotgun. She said that she needed a car and demanded demanded that they turned over some keys. The men ran and that and Amy was outside Dinger Ford when Ronald Solomini, a cop, oh, these, <laughs> these names, this yeah. is crazy. A cop who had um, just been sent from the bishop's house to look for Amy, um, or, or sorry, to look for a young woman wearing a jean jacket and carrying a shotgun, which that's what Amy was doing came across Amy. Because, you know, a lot of people were yeah, out there just, going you know, walking around with their <laughs> jean jacket holding a shotgun. Amy looked frightened and disoriented, the cop reported in his report. But she kept both hands on the shotgun. Ronald approached her slowly, trying to reason with her, but she wouldn't put down the weapon. As he was talking, um, Ronald noticed that another officer, Tim Murphy, was approaching Amy from behind with his thirty-eight revolver drawn. Ronald continued to talk with talk as Murphy crept closer until he was just a few feet behind Amy. Murphy then shouted, drop the rifle, drop the rifle. According to Murphy's report, Amy complied. The officers handcuffed her, recited her Miranda rights, and took away the gun. One afternoon not long ago, this is still from the New Yorker article, I visited a friend who is knowledgeable about firearms and spent an hour loading and firing the same model of 12-gauge Mossberg that Amy Bishop used that day. A pump-action shotgun is loaded by racking the slide, a thrust-and-pull gesture, like a... Yeah. 
Um, it's a familiar motion, you know, you're in action movies. Yeah. Um, it emits a satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) The Mossberg that Amy carried could hold up to five rounds. Shotgun rounds are brass and plastic cylinders densely packed with gunpowder and tiny pellets uh, or and shot. When the trigger is pulled, the shotgun explodes. The shot explodes out of the weapon, but the casing, the shell, remains inside the gun. If one of these spent shells is in the chamber, racking the slide will, in a single fluid motion, eject the old shell out of the gun and press the fresh one into the chamber. So this article author goes on. As I racked the shotgun, fired it, and racked it again, one detail from the police report nagged at me. At the house on Hollis Avenue, the officers had discovered a cardboard box of 25 rounds on Amy's bed. Four of the rounds were missing. She had fired one of them in her bedroom. The police recovered a spent shell on the bedroom floor. And a second round had killed Seth. They discovered... So she had to have re... re yeah. She re- had... Re- yeah. Yeah. They discovered a third round in Amy's jacket pocket. And when police examined the shotgun after taking it from Amy, they found the fourth round inside. It was in the chamber and ready to fire. Meaning, after she, she re- shot re- Seth, she, she racked re- it. Yeah. So another round. So that's totally inconsistent with the whole week story. The accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, after you have fired a pump action shotgun, the only way to chamber another round is to pump it again. So at some point after shooting Seth and being arrested, Amy must have racked the slide, sh- uh, putting a shell, wait, ejecting the shell that had killed her brother and loading a fresh one in its place. When Amy arrived at the Braintree police station, she was taken to the booking room. Uh, Pointing a loaded weapon at anybody is grounds for a felony charge of assault and brandishing a gun in front of police of, of a police officer is an affront to law enforcement that is seldom taken lightly. So why did the police let Amy Bishop go? Hmm. Says short answer. Her mother was friends with the chief of police. Her mother, remember, is this loud and boisterous, audacious woman. And she's a bit of a town representative officially, like unofficially. She had a close relationship with the chief of police because she's one of his biggest supporters and people in town listened to Judy and she was a good person to kind of have in your pocket. You wouldn't really want to piss off somebody like Judy. So officers of that department in later years would call Amy's case a miscarry of justice. Yeah. Huge miscarry of justice. Says before the release of the 1987 police reports, the media dubbed Amy the nutty professor But now upon the release of the reports, they began calling her a bad seed. But the release of these documents spurred more stories to surface. So more craziness that this lady is. Oh, yeah. So, for example, in 1993, this is the year Amy graduated with her PhD, Amy's Harvard advisor received a suspicious package in the mail. When he opened it, he almost triggered the explosion of six pipe bombs, but he carefully opened it because this was when, like, the Unabomber stuff was yeah, happening. Yeah, so he was And when you get a suspicious package, yeah, he's being extra careful. So charges were never filed or brought against Amy or Jim, but friends had confessed to the police that a couple, that the couple had been inquiring at the time about how to make pipe bombs. And that case still remains unsolved to this day. Uh, I think they did it. Subject to bring up, <laughs> like I'm just wondering how one would go about it's making like, hey, a pipe bomb. How's your day? How's the kids? Hey, do you know how to make a pipe bomb? Just wondering. Just you know, 
hypothetically yeah (laughs) hypothetically could you maybe potentially hypothetically help me make and actually could you just like write that down like directions just just in case i hypothetically need it yeah right no you don't you don't ask your friends that i'm sorry after her tenure was denied she could not expect to keep teaching um her con her con her teaching contract would not be renewed past march of 2010 so essentially she's losing her job uh, she was notably unpopular among her students for her bizarre and crazy behavior and methods. Many students transferred out of her classes. They're like, nah, this no, bitch nuts. No, we can't do this, Amy. Um, even, even after filing for many appeals and hiring a lawyer, the university's administration determined that the process to deny her tenure was done so according to protocol and procedure. So, so it wasn't even like, we don't like her, so she can't do yeah, it. Yeah, they it did everything. what yeah. they were supposed to do. Um, interestingly enough... In June of 2010, Amy was charged with first-degree murder after her brother's shooting case was reopened. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then in September of 2012, she was charged with capital murder in the first degree and three counts of attempted murder and sentenced to life in prison. Bishop is now serving her sentence at the Julia Tutwiler Prison for Women in Alabama. And as of 2020... Her security classification is medium and her residence is a dormitory instead of a cell block. So bitch living the high life in prison. That's so annoying. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that too. Wow. I don't know that I'd ever heard that that in depth before. No, I had never really heard about that. No. It it took me on a ride. Yeah, that was a wild ride. Yeah. But I, yeah, that's, that's a lot. I didn't really find too much about why she was only charged with one count of capital murder. She, she killed, killed three, three and what injured three. Yeah. So I think it's, I don't know. Sometimes that happens and I don't know why, but then like the victim's family is just like, well, she got charged she for got, that. Yeah. She's going away. But I still feel like that's, that's still not again, justice for your, for your loved family one. member. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I couldn't really find out why that was the case. And I don't know. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. But that is Nutty Professor Amy Bishop. And I had never really heard that before. I, 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 just, I was on this website looking at, um, I think it was like true crime stories to keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. And I was just like researching them because they just had like a little blurb about it. I'm like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. And like, I work at a college. So I was like, okay, Actually, yeah. let's read this at I, work yeah, and scare hear. myself. And <laughs> Oh gosh, that makes it even worse that you were at your job when yeah. you read it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh love it. goodness. I don't love it either. And I don't work at a college. Yeah. It was uh, super weird. So that's my story. It was good. Now you're going to scare me. I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if I should tell you or just start reading. Like tell you what it is or just let you guess. Ooh. You're just going to tell me. Okay. 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 So the place I'm talking about <clears throat> is labeled one of America's most haunted houses. Oh, okay. Um, it is a beautiful sprawling vil- building. Mm-hmm. Um, the 25 foot veranda is only the beginning of the amazing parts of this property. So a good veranda. Yeah. Um, the entranceway had like stained glass, which was original to the house. Love stained um, glass. Was, it was actually hand painted and patterned after a French cross that was said to ward off evil. So we're already Ooh. starting out a little spook, Ooh, spook. A little spook, spook. Um, it housed ladies and gentlemen's parlors, which were mirrored reflections, like directly of the other room. Hmm. Um, there was dining room, game, and a game room downstairs. Um, it had twenty-two rooms spread over two floors, and the entry hall that 
run ran like the length of the whole house. Ooh. Why am I picturing like the clue man? <laughs> Like Colonel Mustard in the billiard room <laughs> with the lead pipe. With the lead pipe. <laughs> um, the second floor features five bedrooms, um, all had in-suite bathrooms. The largest bedroom on the property is known as the Judge Clark Woodruff Suite, and is the only room that is accessed by the main staircase hmm. in the entry hall. The remaining four bedrooms are separated by a common room. Um, and are accessed by a staircase that ascends from the rear of the building. I try to not go too much in depth about like, I don't know. I, but I like to give a little bit of a back story about mm-hmm. it before we get into like, yeah, spooky, I love some spooky, history spooky stuff. Um, the current landscape is centered around a large pond that features a small island with a gazebo that you access via a bridge. I thought that Ooh, sounded pretty. That does sound pretty. Yeah. So the rear of the house contains the oldest structure on the property. Um, it is now known as the general store, and it is where um, the first man that owned this house, you'll see it changed hands 90,000 times throughout, mm-hmm. um, General Bradford had lived while the house was being built. Um, it is currently used as a gift shop, laundry facility, um, the plantation offices, and guest breakfast spot. To the south, there is another structure that is a restaurant. Uh, both are connected to the main house by a 5,000 square foot old brick courtyard. Um, scattered among the property, there are modern wooden co- cottages available to guests to, like, stay in. Do you know what I'm talking about yet? Yes. Okay. No. You don't. Oh, no, I don't. You don't. Okay. I thought you meant, did I know, like, what a cottage is? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I'm on board. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can picture that. I thought she knew what a cottage is. I know well, what a cottage is. Okay. So, the, the plantation was built in 1796 by General David Bradford. And um, was named at the time Laurel Grove. Bradford lived alone for several years until President John Adams pardoned him for his role in the Whiskey Rebellion in 1799. He then moved his wife Elizabeth and their five children into the plantation from Pennsylvania. Bradford died in 1808 and Elizabeth ran the plantation until 1817 when she handed management over to Clark Woodruff, who um, happened to be one of Bradford's former law students. And later married their daughter named Sarah. Mm. Sarah Mathilda was her name. Um, They went on to have three children. Two of her three children died from yellow fever in 1823 and 1824. In the house? Yes. Elizabeth died in 1831. In the house? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is when Charles and um, their remaining daughter, I'm sorry. Um, her name was Mary Octavia, which I think Octavia oh. is like a super pretty name. Yeah, I love that. They moved, but anyway, they moved from the plantation and left the caretaker to manage. So, and I, there's people that owned it and sold it right away. Like I didn't include all of that because mm-hmm. it was, it made it really convoluted. Like I, I left like the bones of it. Mm-hmm. The bones. The bones. <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> 18, in 1834, Woodruff sold the plantation, the land and the slaves. And I stole it? Sold. <laughs> he, he owned it. He stole it from himself. Damn, how do you steal a whole ass plantation? That's a this hell of my I'll be taking this. And all of these the little buildings. cottages in the back. Give me all of the cottages. Um they like it. He left the caretaker to manage it. So in 1834, oh, I read that part. Woodruff sold the plantation. Sold, not stole. Not stole. <laughs> the land and the slaves. This guy's name is fantastic. His name's Ruffin. Ruffin. Ruffin Gray Sterling. Oh, hello, Hello, Ruffin. Ruffin. (laughs) Hello, Ruffin. 
Um, Sterling and his wife, Mary Catherine Cobb, hired a gentleman named William Drew Wither to help manage the plantation um, and also as her lawyer and agent. Winter went on to marry Sterling's daughter, Sarah. Doesn't this sound familiar? Oh. This is the second person who came to help in the house and married their daughter, and the daughter's name is Sarah, but it's a different Sarah. Ooh. Isn't that weird? Yes. Uh, they went on to have six children, one of whom died from typhoid at the age of three. In the house. In the house. Oh. Dun, too, dun, many, dun. too many people dying in the house. Just you wait. Uh, the family fortune was lost in the aftermath of the war due to being tied up in Confederate currency, mm. um, and they were forced to sell in 1868. But they were actually able to buy it back two years later. So, like, yours, now it's mine again. They stole it. They did. <laughs> he did. He stole it that time. Um, in 1871, William was killed on the property, mm. on the porch, by, on an, the porch. by an unknown man. He staggered inside and died on the 17th step while trying to climb the stairs to get his That's wife. That's very specific. There's a reason for that. Oh, is that the most haunted step? <laughs> it I'm is. i spit all over. <laughs> I have an ice cube in my mouth. I'm trying not to let um, people know. Sarah remained in the house with her mother until Sarah herself died in 1878. So Mary Cobb Sterling died in 1880 and passed the plantation on to her son, Stephen, who was in debt and essentially sold it. Mm -hmm. And this is where it's like, this person bought it for a week and this person had it for a year. Like it was just back and forth and back yeah. and forth. So I didn't include all of those. Okay. Um, but the home switched ownership many times from then until the early 20th century. Um, one former owner in the 1950s stated that she noticed odd things around the house around like that time. Ooh, um, and then in the seventies, James, James, I said James, what kind of name? James, James <laughs> and Francis Kermine. That's a funny name, too. That is funny. Turned it into a bed and breakfast. Um, during this time, Francis Myers, who was writing as Francis Kermine, wrote a book about it being the most haunted place in America. Hmm. Do you know where I'm talking about yet? No. Myrtle's Plantation. Oh! <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into, like, spooky shit. Spook, spook. So, and it literally says spooky shit in capital letters in my notes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, the plantation house, for starters, is said to be built on top of an ancient Tunica Indian burial ground. That's crazy. So we know that's... Listen. No way no. Right. That's crazy, but let me tell you why. So on the way to roller derby practice the other day, because we back! Um, so Cannibal, one of our team members... I was, I was like, please elaborate for them. Yes. I know who you're talking about, but they're like, who's Cannibal kidding? is one of our team members. She's amazing. She is amazing. Hi, Cannibal. Hi, Cannibal. Uh, so we're taking her to practice. And it gets real quiet in the car. We call ourselves a weird, weird, weirdo car. We and are the weirdos, we, mister. We really are. We are the weirdo car. So Cannibal in the backseat gets real quiet. She goes, so do you think like all Indian barrel grounds are haunted? And like, why? <laughs> And I'm like, well, I think they're haunted because, like, a lot of them are probably unmarked. Yeah. And, like, people build shit on top and yeah. then that shit becomes haunted. Yeah. So, like, that's so, because we, lit, like, it was, like, yesterday. We were, like, talking about it. That's that is hilarious. Oh, that is pretty funny. And they're like, it was built upon ancient area. Yeah. Anyway, uh, keep okay. going. So I tried to put that there, in. That was a good little <laughs> snippet. And uh, his home is home. I almost said his home is home to at least 12 ghosts um it is often reported sorry <laughs> egg, roll. egg roll that uh 10 murders occurred there oh. though only one is actually documented and it was the murder of william winter the gentleman who got shot on the porch murdered on the porch that's a lot of murder that's a murder house it is a murder house <laughs> 
Um, employees and visitors report hearing footsteps as if, if William is recreating the night of his murder. Oh, I hate it when ghosties are caught in yeah. like a, loop. a limbo. Like that is so infinite sad. death. Oh, I don't like how I just described that, infinite death. That gave me some cold <laughs> chills. <laughs> Infinite, infinite, that'd be an awesome metal band. Oh, yeah, good band name. Yes, good band name. Infinite death. Love it. Me too. I'm here for it. Copyright. Yeah, we own that. We're gonna get our own metal band going. Actually, you're welcome. Um, do 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 do. That's gonna be our theme song. That's so metal. Oh, employees and visitors. Okay, read that part. Okay, in 2002. Um, Unsolved Mysteries actually did like a little segment Ooh. about Myrtle's plantation. I hold on, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that meme where it's like a Muppet like making like an ooh face. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm about to say. It's like, and the narrator is like, me watching Unsolved Mysteries is the caption. It's like, and the narrator is like, in a case remains unsolved. And used to scare the shit out of you yes, when you so scary like my mom would put it on at night and i'm like can we not watch this yeah and then rescue 911 do you remember that tv show yes i do yeah that, that like gave me really bad childhood trauma of my house <laughs> catching on fire like i was terrified of my house catching on fire for so long anyways side side Sorry. side story Had to okay that. so unsolved mysteries filmed a segment about the alleged hauntings at myrtle's plantation and according to Robert Stack, the production crew experienced technical difficulties during their production. Ooh. Um, and then these are just little episodes. I didn't watch any of them because I was home by myself and I was a little scared. Mm. Anyways, um, there was an episode of Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures. Oh, yeah. And it was Zach featured Baggins. Zach Baggins. Bastard. <laughs> Fucking Zach Baggins. <laughs> Anyways. Um, don't sue us, Zach Baggins. We He's just going to block us on We Twitter. hurt you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're fine with that. Um. We don't even know how to use the Twitter. We don't use the Twitter, but the he's going to block us. <laughs> if he finds us, he's blocking <laughs> us. Um, oh, and it was also featured on Most Terrifying Places on Earth. Ooh. Yeah. So this is like the biggest, big, big, big ghost <gasps> at Myrtle Plantation. Oh, the big this, bad. This story is, it's a little sad. Oh. A little sad. The stuff. big sad. It's, it's a big sad, actually. Oh. It's a big, big sad. Okay. So there was a house slave on the property mm-hmm. named Chloe. Hmm. who very often fell victim to wood, the Woodruff's cruelty. Aww. Chloe tried to protect herself from the abuse by listening in on Woodruff's conversations and, like, trying to modify her behavior to, like, not maybe upset him mm. or whatever she maybe heard him talking about. Yeah, information yeah. is key. So, um, but unfortunately, she got caught. Mm. So, uh, one day after being caught eavesdropping, Woodruff had Chloe's ears cut off. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but, like, why'd you say, I have a question about that. <laughs> it's just, like, uh, can you, can okay. you hear? Yeah. Was that your question? I don't know. Just, like, like I it, feel it, like it's holes in your head. Like I feel ears. like you can. Like, and I feel like this is just for, like, decoration. It's like, like the ornament. Of I'm your pointing ear. to your earlobe. I know they can't see it. Oh, we do that all the time. You can't yeah, see like, it. Yeah, right like you're like the actual it's like the, ear. It's like an ornament. For yeah, your yeah. Holes. It's like, I don't know, it's like, like a, a t shirt for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're so dumb. Why am I so fucking stupid? Okay, but like, you know, like a record player? 
like a sousaphone? The band nerd is. Are you gonna tell your fiance what it's called? Wait, what are we talking about? Okay, do you know a record player? Record player with like one of them big bells. The gramophone. A gramophone. I was gonna say horn and gramophone. Send help. I'm surrounded by idiots. Oh my god. I don't think that's a thing. At least a sousaphone is a thing. A sousaphone is, is like the marching tuba. Oh my yeah, god, a big tuba. Well, Wait, okay, so we're gonna nickname it a hornograph. I oh like the hornograph. So, like the big bell. That's is that like your ears? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Okay, I'm I'm here for that. I agree. So with you. okay, well the question is to the view, to the to the listeners. And we're sorry that it just took that whole <laughs> ass turn. Uh, can you hear if you don't without have your ears? Ear shirts without your <laughs> without the hornophone of your head. <laughs> can you hear without your ears? If I cut, oh, and you just have the whole yeah, you can still hear. Yes, you can hear. It's just your ear yeah. helps amplify the sound. Yeah, so it so won't be as like, loud. It's like the horn for the hornophone. <laughs> no, because a gramophone. That's the word. I knew it was something found. Gramophone. Okay. Looks like a horn. Put I like it. Out. A hornophone. It captures that. So like an inverted hornophone. There we oh go. This has gone some places. <laughs> We're making driving slam to drink. She's like, I need another drink. She's, she's bringing up the stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Oof. Okay. Okay. So. And at the request of the family to, like, cover the mutilation caused by having her ears yeah. removed, they had her wear a green turban, like, wrapped Aww. around her head. So, now we fast forward a little further. It doesn't say what year. But on the ninth birthday of one of the Woodruff's daughter, mm-hmm. Chloe um, decided to place poisonous oleander leaves in the cake. Oh, my gosh. Planning to poison Mrs. Woodruff and the kids. Now, this is kind of convoluted. If she was actually trying to kill them, some sources say that she was actually trying to just make them very ill mm-hmm. so that she could nurse them back to health. Because, oh, and then like, kind of like be a yeah. hero. Okay. Because um, in the South at that time, local healers were among like some of the most respected mm. like people. And if Chloe could have healed the family and like, you know what I mean, made them better, um, she would be safe from having to go work in the fields and stuff because she'd be a healer. Hmm. What year is this again? In the 1700s? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. You got some old-timey doctors. The scariest thing to me is old-timey doctors. Wait until the there's one part, well, one, two parts in here. Not that, I mean, it's spook spook, but two parts of it, I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. When I typed it, I didn't like it. Okay. Oh. Okay, keep going. So, tragically, though, the dose was lethal, oh. and it killed Mrs. Woodruff and her two children. Oh. The, um, the birthday girl? Yeah. Oh, that's a bad birthday. That's a bad ninth birthday. Oh, fuck. So, word quickly spread around the plantation um, that about her actions, and the other slaves were actually the ones to enact revenge on Chloe for what she did. Wow. Um, Chloe was hanged by her neck while everyone watched. Jeez. Um, her body was then weighed down by rocks and thrown in the Mississippi River. That's awful. It's very awful. That's <sighs> Um, So... 
Par- the paranormal activity, though, really, like, kicked off more so in, like, the 70s. Like, that's when it was, like, the most prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, guests and residents would report seeing transparent apparitions of a young girl wearing a green turban. Mm. Yep. And if you look, um, we should put in our um, post on Facebook, we can put the picture. Yep. There is a picture of what is said to be Chloe standing on the, the porch outside. And it has been researched and researched and researched and researched and like no one can it's not a shadow it's not another person like they can't explain what it is like mm-hmm. it's like pretty legit yeah so that's definitely worth a look if you haven't seen it and then this is one of the spooky fucking oh i hate it i don't like mirrors anyways oh, and this no. involves a mirror oh especially hold like on to your butts dark mirrors at night Ugh, i don't i don't i don't like it so there was an antique mirror in the grand hallway just outside of the dining room um visitors report seeing the woodruff children in the reflection of the mirror near the room where they were poisoned oh not vibing with that no um each time that the mirror is replaced so i think they mean like the glass Uh uh-huh or re-silvered there is a handprint that reappears on the mirror every time and there's a picture of that too um lights turn on and off they hear crying children Doorknobs rattling. The, the piano plays by itself. This one's... Ooh, I don't like this one either. Reports have also been made of guests waking up with Chloe's ghost like face in their face. In their face? Yeah, just in their face. In their personal face? In their personal face? face. In, their, in, their personal, <laughs> in their personal face. I don't know why. Okay, my brain is so... You've seen Supernatural. Um, yeah, uh-huh. Ghost facers is what I just <laughs> thought of when I said that. Okay, anyway. And I, I read also that not only was she victim to, like, their abuse and all that, but she also had a child mm. that they took from her, <gasps> and she never knew what happened to it. Um, so some say that that's, she's looking for her yeah. child, but, like, you don't have to get in my face, girl. You yeah, just, just ask. Just dude. ask me like, from over there. Seen, I haven't seen them. I don't know your kid. <laughs> um, the plantation was also once used part of it as a set for the film The Long Hot Summer. Hmm. Cast and crew reported setting up the furniture to shoot, like, a specific scene and, like, having to leave the room or whatever for whatever reason. And then mm-hmm. upon re-entering the room, the furniture would be completely rearranged. Nope. And they'd fix it and it would do the same thing again. That's annoying. So, the current owners, John and Tita Moss, um, offer guided and private tours of Myrtle's Plantation. And they even do evening mystery tours Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So, they're the, they're the owners. Do they live there? Or they, they just do. like, ooh, spook. Yeah, so that was Myrtle's Plantation. That's so scary. Yeah. Oh, I got, that gives me the heat. I don't, I'm not, I'm not bothered. That was a good one. I like that. I like the history. Yeah. And I, like, I, when I started writing it, I'm like, but it doesn't do the story of it justice if you don't know, like, the backstory. Yeah, the backstory. And, like, there's stuff that I left out of it, but I didn't think it was pertinent information mm-hmm. to go along with the sure. theme of it so well, but there's there's a website you they Myrtle's plantation has their own website you can go to um and you look up those pictures yeah they're cool there's pictures. multiple different pictures and you there's one definitely of the handprint on the mirror Ugh. and the one of chloe outside on the porch mm-hmm. and it's not like a one that you have to like squint and turn your head to, like you see it as soon as you look at it you see it oh yeah. you don't know you won't even have to point it to somebody they just see it yeah we'll definitely post those to our facebook yeah and instagram yeah good oh, that's a good one good one i like this one that's all I got. Sames. All right. That was a fun, gonna, that fun was, episode back. That was fun. I'm glad to be back. Me too. 
So we will see you next time. We won't see you, but well, we won't see you, but you know, we'll, we'll be here, we'll, we'll be and you'll be here, and you'll be here, hopefully, and you'll hear us. Hear us with your ears, with your ears, or your hornophones, or your hornophones. I wonder if they're listening to us on a hornophone. I bet you they are. <laughs> Slam hates us. It's fine. All right. Okay. We hope you keep calm and spook on. Bye. Bye. Okay. Hi, Maiden. Hi, Fluff. It's been a minute. It's been a big minute. <laughs> I think the last time I looked it up was February. Why'd you have to tell me? Oh, shit. Sorry. I thought it was less time. Oh, it was less Call time. Call out. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it was, was just time. like three days ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, shit has had happened. Had happened. One of the things that had happened was you got married. Oh, uh, I was going to say roller derby was back. I mean... <laughs> Fair enough. I'm more excited about your wedding than you are, clearly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did the thing. <laughs> Yay. But yes, roller derby is back. That's that's a thing a too. Thing. A fun thing. It is a fun thing. We get to hit our friends again. I missed it. Yes. It was needed. Much needed. What else had happened? Well, c- clearly the wedding wasn't the top of your oh, priority wedding. list. Yes, Liam and I <laughs> got married. No honeymoon yet. Next she month. folded laundry after their wedding. Oh my god, I would have died if she came home and was like, "Wait, <laughs> I got some shirts to do." Uh, well, we're outside actually, so I should. We should probably tell them that if they oh, hear dogs yeah. barking or like fire. Yeah, we're recording outside. Or fi- fireflies. I thought you were going to say, and then you no, just stopped at fire. And I was like, "Oh, there's a whole ass fire." Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know that she'll bring her laundry to fold outside, but she might. I wouldn't I think she's above it. I don't know. That seems to defeat the purpose. <laughs> she brought, oh, she chips. brought chips. Oh, good. <laughs> now we can annoy everybody with our chip noises. You sent me for chips. I, I did. Chips. I, you brought the chips. All good the job. Chips. Yeah, there's a variety. <laughs> we like options. We do. Dip, we love an dip. option. A dill dip. So you've got baked. Bake chips? Mm, no, I need the calories. But these are of questionable age. So. <laughs> but they're wavy, so I feel like that doesn't it. age them. Are they as old as our last recorded episode? Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> I love pizza! I love pizza. I burned ourselves. We didn't decide, not that we're going to that right yet, but who's going first? We did not decide. I decided. Slam oh, has decided. Our neighbors are out. I've decided. There's neighbors outside too. There's so neighbors outside. The Baby Wilden. Um, <coughs> Maiden first. Oh. Then Fluff. Then Fluff. Because Fluff's gonna go first next episode. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Okay. All right. <coughs> Do you have a thingy? Okay. Okay. Drinks and things. Well, I gotta pour a little drinky drink. I thought you weren't drinking that bottle yet. I'm just gonna take a little sip, Maiden. <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson. A, a mega pint. I'm pouring <laughs> myself a mega pint. Thank you. A little sip. That bitch's glass is filled to the brim. Just pouring a little sip. <laughs> a little sippy sip. Need a little bump. Get my head straight. Okay. Barbecue corn She brought corn chips. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That, that was what saved it. That, was I was chips. hoping we had some corn chips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's been a minute. It has. Okay. Should we start? Did you want to introduce your guest? Oh, hey, yeah. We have- <laughs> <laughs> She's eating the corn chips. 
bitch. Actually, I was going to, but you didn't let me get to it. I'm sorry. I thought you were just going to dive right in. No, I wasn't. Because okay. she is the one who told me about this. What? Specific podcast? person. Oh, person. <laughs> that I, that I was I like, bitch, you on the podcast. <laughs> so, yes, this was inspired by my guest, Maggie. Hi. Margaret. Margaret. Margie. Marge. <laughs> Peg. Peg. I mean... She wears many hats. Mm. <laughs> but. <laughs> wow. Dare I say. No, I'm just kidding. No, is it is oh. a falcon? Yes. It might be a falcon in a tiny hat. <laughs> right. If you get the reference, you're welcome. <laughs> and if you don't, I'm sorry. If you know, you know. <laughs> okay. So, I will preface this by saying I suck at life in general. And my notes, I didn't have time to type. They're written in some type of order, I think. So we're just going to find out. Let's okay. find out together. We will. Okay. This is a journey we're going to take together. I'm excited for this journey. Okay. I chose for my paranormal, um, Indrid Cold. Oh, and Maggie inspired this. Okay, all right. Um, so Indrid Cold um, was known as the Smiling or Grinning Man. Um, he was an allegedly humanoid entity. Wait, is- this is a person? Mm-hmm. Is this a cryptid? Yes. Oh my god, I thought this was a place. <laughs> <laughs> like, I expected okay, you to enough. say, like, it's an old hotel. <laughs> and when you said old man, I'm like, wait, I skipped a chapter. <laughs> you skipped a couple chapters. Okay, it's a, it's a cryptid. It is a cryptid. Okay. And a lot of my research I did on a cryptid uh, wiki website. Wiki wiki. <laughs> wiki 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 wiki. Um, I only got two lines in. I'm like, where am I at? Um, and he said to still live in West Virginia. This is a West Virginia one. Oh, dun, dun, dun. I do. Oh, okay, what's his name again? Indrid Cold. Cold. Cold like water. Okay. Cold. Water doesn't always have to be cold. I fucking knew, <laughs> I fucking knew you were gonna say that. I swear to God, I was literally getting ready to say, but not like water, and you cut me off. <laughs> This bitch. Okay. Um, he has a human-like appearance, which is um, commonly associated with UFO activity, like, not long after he is, like, sighted. Wait, he's an alien? We don't... Yeah, I mean, he might be. Oh, I thought you said cryptid. Like, Well, no, I got... No, but I got it off the cryptid website. That's what I was trying oh, to Oh, okay. I, no, no. I mean, I thought he was, like, a Sasquatch. Okay, keep no, going. No, not a Sasquatch. <laughs> Okay, um, but he is sometimes to believe an alien and um, possibly has a connection to the men in black. Oh my god, I almost got notes on the men in black because that's like a yeah, real it, it, fucking yes. thing. And I started to do like, I, I knew thought I knew what it was, but then I read into it and I'm like, it's legit, like it's dead it's ass, like thing. the movie. No, it's like, a thing. <laughs> kind of what happens in the movie did not know but that's so funny because i almost wrote notes on a paranormal well maybe maybe we should make it like a little two-parter yes um so do to do and his first sightings he is described as being over six feet tall wearing a reflective green suit um with a black belt so his first encounter wait a green suit a green suit with a black belt Okay, when you said black belt, I was picturing like <laughs> karate. <laughs> I was like, oh damn, no, aliens no like karate. <laughs> no, I don't love that at all. I don't love that either. <laughs> yeah, if it sounds like we're at the club, um, <laughs> we're just in the backyard. We're just in the backyard. The neighbors are at the club. Oh my goodness! So in his first sighting, 
He was described as over being six feet tall, and then I said a the green suit, suit. A green yeah. suit, black belt, not a karate belt. He's not a black belt. Um, dark complected, um, with small beady eyes that were set far apart and <laughs> described I'm as sorry. not. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm picturing like a Persian Please club owner. <laughs> Because when you said green suit, I was wondering if he had his shirt on underneath of his suit. Because <laughs> you didn't mention what color the shirt was. Uh, maybe it's like a... Like, remember Xenon? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember Xenon. I'm sure <laughs> I do. The clothing they wore, that was like the tight spandex. I get it. That is the green suit I envision. Oh! <laughs> I'm thinking like a zoot suit. <laughs> zoot suit riot. Like you got a hat to match. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so whole opposite end of the spectrum. We have one to the other. It's like big pimpin' alien style. <laughs> oh god. Alright. Okay, okay, so like now I'm picturing like a green metallic suit. Like a little green why like a little alien. Be, why'd it have to be metallic? You just add that in there for a little flare. Nate, it's pride. It's it pride, pride month. It he is. has a metallic okay, green we'll suit. It. We'll allow it. Okay, but here's a, a cat suit, if you will. <laughs> the kicker, though, um, is that he is described as not having any nose, ears, or hair. Oh my god, now I'm picturing. <laughs> We're never gonna get through this. We're not. Now I'm picturing. This episode is sponsored by a bottle of <laughs> Winky Owl, California Moscato. The $3 wine from Aldi. Like they can see me again, like I do every time. Oh my god! Okay. Okay. So now I go. So uh, now I'm picturing <laughs> Voldemort <laughs> in a green metallic suit, green metallic cat suit. To our listeners, you're welcome for that mental image. Oh, you are welcome. You, you know, love. Harry Potter drag is a thing. It is. Is it? It is. I keep getting TikToks of it, and it's. Glorious. Yeah, they go oh, I love it. The Dumbledore. <sighs> Chef's kiss. I'm kind of curious now. Yes, so you need to look that up. Ping it in my brain so I Google it later. I probably will not remember. Okay. All right. Back, okay. back to Voldemort in a green cat suit. I'm, I'm here for it. So he was first seen on October 16th, 1966, when two boys, Martin Mouse Manov, I don't know these names. I might butcher them because I can't read my handwriting sometimes, too. And James Jimmy. Like, how, how do you say that name? Wow. Chitis? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Sorry, Jimmy, if that's not how you Sorry, say it. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, in New Jersey. They got a remix of Uncle Tommy's song over there. They sure do. Um, they were walking on 4th Street when they saw a surreal figure standing near a fence. As they walked closer, the figure was a tall, bald man wearing a, a metal green suit mm. so it is metallic it is. all right who was staring right at them with a huge grin oh that makes it creepier oh I don't like it the man chased them until they got away from him ufo sightings were also reported around the area stop it after. he chased them yeah. oh so there's a quote from um <laughs> martin martin all right yep. jimmy nudged me and said who's that guy standing behind you I looked around, and there he was, behind the fence, just standing here. He pivoted around and looked right at us. Then he grinned, a big old grin. Oh. Oh. And then he chased them. This was them. in New Jersey. Oh, and then he chased them. 
Um, according to Nightmind, the boys only recalled the more frightening details of the event. Well, hell yes! Later on. Um, they recalled the man in the green suit was unusually tall and had not unnatural facial features and lack of ears and nose. Ew. They say, like, they don't, that could possibly be, like, a, a different entity than injured cold, but it's matched some of the other sightings. So the second encounter, um, was experienced by a guy named Woodrow Derenberger. Derenberger, might be. And it was also in 1966. Um, he was a sewing machine salesman that was living in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. Um, That's of, not very far away. No, it's not. Hold on, I gotta oh, did I just, like, Where's triangulate ourselves? Yeah, you did. Oh. Cool. Cool, oh, thanks. I got the light one out, and I was like... I know, I'm blind. Haha, thank you. Okay, so... Um, one November night, he was returning from a business trip... 